Hello, my name is Anoa Changa. The Way with Anoa. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Way with Noah. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for supporting, liking, contributing, and subscribing to not just my channel on over at The Way with Noah on YouTube, but also the Benjamin Dixon shout, channel. Shout out to Ben Dixon for making space and providing a place for voices like mine and others on this channel to, to grow and share with you. Um, wow. So last night, yeah, debate. Hmm. Did you laugh? Did you cry? Were you happy? Um, call in. Definitely want to hear from you guys tonight. Haven't had phones, haven't did phones in a while, um, but really want to hear from you. Uh, share, tweet out the link so other people can join in. Um, want to hear what you guys got to say. Um, kind of going off, off, off the grid a little bit here. Uh, today is actually the fifth anniversary of someone that I find very important. And no, I don't actually know this person, but I did see him in concert. Um, today is the fifth anniversary of J. Cole's debut album, Cole World. Um, I'm a huge J. Cole fan. Love J. Cole. Saw J. Cole at, um, yes, I'm talking about J. Cole right now instead of that dumpster fire. Anything to avoid the inevitable discussion we must have. But no, um, I really think J. Cole is kind of symbolic for, you know, our movement. When we talk about independent broadcasters and production, you know, J. Cole, even though he did come under Jay-Z and Rock Nation, I think it was like 2009, 2010, um, you know, he really had to use a new wave of guerrilla marketing and strategy to really get his music out there. Um, you know, J Cole has like done things that other artists have never done before. Like he's gone platinum without, you know, features he's done. He's, he's done all these unbelievable things and people be like, man, and he's still hit, you know, five years later, he's had all these hits. Like I said, he's gone platinum on several different songs. He's come so far from forest Hill drive um, and he did it, you know, being true to himself, sticking with his plan and, and, and sticking with his team. And I think that, that that is so inspirational, like I said, for me as someone who's coming up in the, in the ranks of the independent broadcast industry. Um, you know, I thought it was cool when I saw the little news alert um, today. I was like, oh, yeah, you know me. And then um, actually this Friday, I think it already came out in some cities, but, but Queen of Cotsway. Um, is coming out, and that's the movie about the young woman from Uganda playing chess. And um, my whole, we all play, well, my daughter doesn't really play chess, but the rest of us play chess. Um, and my family, I'm pretty excited. My son actually did chess team for a while when we lived in West Virginia. Um, so, like, competitive chess, like, same as in the movie. So it's pretty it's pretty exciting, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to see that. But what I thought was interesting was I saw someone on Twitter had put, like, the promo... Like they had, they put up the promo poster and they put up the old Lion King poster and it's very similar, right? Like, you know, the depiction of the placement where they have people's faces and stuff is similar to the Lion King one. And even like the shadows, the coloring used, it basically looks like Disney just recycled the Lion King, you know, promotional poster for Queen Katwe. 
Um, it's like you guys, it's Africa, so you think you just could just do the same thing, swap out the lions for people? I mean, I don't know. Like, it, it just, I didn't think about it. I didn't really pay attention to any of the promotional stuff. I wanted to forget the fact that it was a Disney movie and enjoy it anyway. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so that's just my little foray into the pop culture stuff. Um, if you are into comics and stuff like that, coming up soon on Netflix is Luke Cage. Um, I, the actor's name is slipping in my tongue right now, but that is Lamont Bishop from uh, The Good Wife. So I'm, I, he's, he's a, a phenomenal actor. I, I, I love him. And, you know, I'm really looking the, the promo stuff so far. It looks really, really like a great series. Um, and Netflix has been doing it. You know, I don't know if any of you have gotten a chance to watch The Get Down. Um, absolutely enjoyed The Get Down. I was, I was a little bitter because I didn't realize it was only six episodes. Got to the end of six episodes. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you're not familiar with The Get Down, The Get Down is a fictionalized story about the rise of hip hop. And, you know, it's like the, the end of the disco era and then the rise of hip-hop and rap in the Bronx, um, focusing primarily on, on this neighborhood in the South Bronx and five friends. You know, they affect they, Fantastic Four plus one more. Um, the main character is, 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 is a black Puerto Rican young man, and, um, you know, he's a wordsmith. And, you know, his, his lady love, who his, his on and off again girlfriend, I won't tell you everything, but it's a cute story. You know, these kids it, living in the hood and it's so wild because this is the late seventies. I was growing up in Harlem and the Bronx and, you know, mid to late eighties. Um, while it wasn't exactly the same, you know what I'm saying? It was very, there's so many similarities. I think that in, and from talking to, you know, folks older than me who watched the show, it really captures the essence of, you know, Boogie Down back in those days. So it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good series. If you haven't caught it yet, definitely check it out. It's about six episodes are on Netflix. I think the second part comes out in um, the springtime and then, you know, we're still waiting to see what's going on with the season two. Yeah, I'm doing my little my little social media, my little, you know, uh, pop culture rundown right now because, you know, we need some things sometimes to, like, make us smile and take a break from the rigmarole and <sighs> the dumpster fire that is this presidential election. Um, but just speaking of, you know, social media, pop culture type stuff, um, I, I keep saying social media, but pop culture, you know, I think it was last week, maybe, or the week before, I, I talked about, you know, Colin Kaepernick has has basically set off this, this, this wave of activism in terms of at least protests, or protests, rather, um, with athletes. It's football season, so we've been primarily seeing it with football players. Now I was just reading an article earlier today saying that Carmelo Anthony has reached out to Colin and they've had some exchanges talking about basically how to kick it up a notch and take it to a next level. You know, there was some, there was a, an article recently about how Colin had actually donated money to several organizations, which I thought was great. You know, one of my, my criticisms was it's so great that everyone wants to speak out. It's so great that everyone wants to hold up their fist and take a knee, but we need more than words, right? We need more than symbolic action. Like symbolic action is not going to stop bullets. Um, but what is, what is it? I mean, it's a powerful, it's a powerful visual. It definitely is a powerful visual and it goes a long way, but it has to work in coordination with other things. And so to see this, this meeting of the minds, you know, possibly brewing with Colin, you know, um, the NFL, the NBA, Colin and, 
And Carmelo, I mean, Carmelo, you know, Carmelo's awesome anyway. Carmelo is an activist. Carmelo has been active and engaged. He's been, you know, down in Puerto Rico. I mean, Carmelo's been doing so much already, um, and, and he doesn't need to do it for the gram. No, I'm not taking digs at LeBron James. <laughs> but, um, but, but I thought that was pretty cool, seeing the two of them, you know, kind of the possibility. And I think that that could set a new wave because I really do think that, not that you owe us because you're famous. I mean, we buy your shoes, we buy your jerseys and stuff, but at the same time, there needs to be some type of accountability and acknowledgement that you are in a position of power and, 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 and you're on a certain stage that you can help elevate certain causes and to follow, to see this younger cadre following in the footsteps of Muhammad Ali. I mean, not to say that they are Muhammad Ali, but that, you know, that Muhammad Ali, John Carlos, you know, that activist, athlete vein it's pretty you know a lot of you look up to athletes and stuff like that and it's pretty cool to see people put in you know their action and their time where their knees are <laughs> so to speak right I like I said I wasn't really a big fan of the whole kneeling thing you know people are putting up the fist seeing some of the kids in different places I know I think it's New Jersey I think it's New Jersey Catholic schools which are threatening kids that if they do protest, then they will be, you know, reprimanded or suspended. Um, Catholic school gets a little bit different, I mean, in terms of rules and regulations, but definitely if, if, if it's a public school, um, you, you can't interfere with, ch- with, with speech. Even if they're children, you still, children do have a right to free speech. Um, my daughter and I just actually had this conversation. We've had a couple of walkouts um, down here. You know, there have been some, some, some local protests and activism happening here in the Atlanta metro area but there were two different schools in the area where there have been um, walkouts and other issues happening and stuff like that. We were just talking about whether or not kids can actually do that. Do they have the right? Um, you have, you do have the right to exercise free speech. How the school ends up handling it, it also it requires parents to become active and involved to making sure that not only are kids exercising themselves in a, in a, in a safe and productive manner, but that it is actually being um, acknowledged and supported by the school system. Um, yeah, so that's just my little roundabout way to get down to the get down. Wanted to give a big thank you. I can't remember. I might have tweeted some of you before, but want to give a big thank you because I do have some patience because we're getting we're moving along. You know what I'm saying? Um, like I said, every week trying to trying to improve. I'm a little tired from you know being up late. Several different of us, you know, we stayed up late into debate coverage and commentary. I got to talk with um, Brian Becker of Loud and Clear over Radio Sputnik, along with Gloria Lariva of the um, the Party for Socialism and Liberation, um, along with uh, Bob. Sorry, Bob, I can't remember your last name, but Bob is the producer of Eugene Per Years. Um, by any means necessary, we had a really great conversation. I'll tweet that out, but definitely go check out um, if you haven't already liked. Um, on Spreaker, loud and clear, go check it out. Very good show, cutting, cutting, cutting edge news. Um, I was joking with my producer David. You know, too many appearances on Radio Sputnik um, might get me on one of those lists because you know it's the Russians. The Russians are Russians are after us. But um, have you ever asked Siri why 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 fire engines are red? You should do that. That's hilarious. <laughs> Because they're always rushing around, and the Russians were called the Reds. 
Oh, random stuff. This is random mom brain. It's mom brain right now. But I do want to thank everyone for your support thus far. Like, seriously, for those of you who do like, share, and add productive comments, it doesn't matter whether we agree or disagree. I really do appreciate the engagement. People who send me news stories, et cetera, on Twitter, um, you know, email. If you have ideas or thoughts for the show, love to hear from you. Shoot me a, drop me a line, thewaywithanoa at gmail.com. Um, like I said, like last week, I interviewed um, Milton Davis from Working Washington. You know, uh, once a viewer, now a production staff member, Andre Roberge, you know, made that happen. So you too, if you would like to find out, maybe if there's a way for you to be involved here at the Wave of Nowhere or as some other part of our conglomeration, definitely, you know, check us out and see, you know, what 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 resources, what skills do you have? What can you what can you add? How what value can you add to the team? Because really, it's going to take us to really move the needle as we look forward to 2018 and 2020. Um, because like like we saw last night with the with the debate. Um, you know, only the two quote unquote major party candidates made it onto the stage. Dr. Jill Stein, you know, strategically um, did a, a, a periscope during the debate. I think when I checked it, there was like 33,000 people watching her, something like that. Um, and then she also did some follow up stuff with Democracy Now! Democracy Now!, of course cutting edge, leading the way in terms of making sure that that strong progressive voice is out there, but they can't be the only one. So that's why you need shows like mine, like Ben's, like Project Sanity, like the Louisa Project, like like the things that we're trying to do here at Progressive Army. So I want to thank my Patreons. I have seven of you. Yay, lucky seven. Um, ben, ben gave me a, a boost of confidence and he said in his first, I think it was six months, he didn't even get past like $15, $20. So I'm doing pretty good so far, he said. <laughs> but um, shout out to, 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 to Nyasha, John, Jamie, Stephen, and Melissa. Thank you all so much for contributing. Um, if you, too, would like to get a shout out, you know, um, become a Patreon of the way. I can't do this without you, you know. So um, if you want to call in, come on, call in. Um, Patreon, my Patreon is patreon.com slash the way with Noah. A um, dollar, two dollars, five dollars, twenty-five. If you're really feeling frisky, <laughs> um, helps helps a whole lot. And 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 I think it was, I think it might have been Stephen, but whoever what I did get a page like last week. You know, I had the microphone, I had the issues with the sound, um, and my sound card is probably going on my computer, so I'm ordering another one tonight. Hopefully, fingers crossed. That should work out. But um, but some one of you did reach out and donated, you know, a little bit more for the for the coffers right when that was happening um, during last week's show. So, so th- you know, thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. And, yeah, so last night we had um, this debate. Yeah, I think I'm going to push that off just a little bit longer. Um, I got an email. I got an email. Uh, not an email. I got a tweet earlier about a story um, basically – an ACLU lawsuit that has been going on in New York state about juveniles being left in solitary confinement for a long period of time. Definitely want to delve into this issue a little bit more. And and if, if, you know, if anyone knows anyone in that area that's been doing any work or nationally has been doing any work, definitely hit me up because I really would like to just, because we need to start talking more. And I guess I'll kind of segue into debate now with this. We do need to start talking more and learning about what's going on. Because it's one thing to say, I want to see X do better, or our leaders need to be doing this. 
But we need to also know what's going on. We need to know who's already working on the ground. We need to know what the issues present are. And that's why we need to have conversations like, you know, I try to have here on the way with people who are actually active and engaged in these different areas to kind of help inform us so we know where to donate our money, where to donate our time, where to write our letters, what the issues are. Like, like we can be a citizen's lobby, we can be active and engaged. I know that's probably like my core phrase right there, active and engaged. How many times do I say that in a week? I don't know. Um, trust me, my kids get tired because I say it to them too. But but when we're talking about you know political revolutions, when we're talking about moving the needle and actually getting meaningful and sustainable change, now we got to start talking about going into the next stage of what does that actually look like? How do we actually get there? And you know, how can we add value to work that's already working on, that's already going on? One of the very cool things, um, you know, what, about a month or so ago, I had Nicole Westmoreland on. She's a third-year law student from um, Stetson University College of Law, where my godmother teaches. Um, I just found out today that they are building out a social justice, you know, basically model for training lawyers um, that's, that, that, that may be modeled by other schools around the country. And that's the type of stuff that, that we do need to see happen. And that's the type of stuff we should be highlighting. You know, there, there could be things going on in your community, right? That could be important and could be a model for change that other people maybe didn't think about or weren't sure how to organize it. And, and that's why I liked, like last week, having a conversation with um, Milton from Working Washington about secure scheduling. Secure ske scheduling is something that Andre has been talking to me about some more. I had not really, I mean, but it makes sense. You know, you might not know about something, but then you hear about it and you're like, oh my God, that makes sense. Cause I understand this one time when this happened to me. And, and I think we need to find ways to be relatable with each other, right? Like something ha affecting someone who's in the fight for 15 may not specifically affect me, but at the same time, we both may have the same basic understanding and struggle when it comes to, you know, issues and conditions around parenting and sick leave and things like that. We got to find the commonalities, not to say that our differences are bad and need to be overlooked, but there's a lot of common ground. And if we build around some of that common ground, we can go far. It don't matter how many millionaires and billionaires get on the stage claiming they're going to save us from ISIS? <laughs> I just laughed so much last night. I actually sat here with a glass of red wine, um, sat here and I watched the debate. I, I you know, we, we tried to do a little coverage with Progressive Army um, through our blog. And then, you know, Ben did coverage last night. So I won't drone on too much about it. But at the same time, I really do think that there, there are several instances um, there, there's a lot of problems. We got a lot of problems and it's not just the fact that we have people like Howard Dean, you know, spending their day accusing Donald Trump of being a cokehead. Um, we got a lot of problems. <laughs> like there's a lot wrong with this election cycle. It is, it is like one of those mocking, I feel like we're living a mockumentary, right? You know, shout out to uh, Modern Family for, for, for coining the term. They probably didn't coin the term, but that's the, the most famous mockumentary I can take, think about. I really feel like this presidential election cycle has been a mockumentary um, about an election gone wrong, like Wag the Dog or, or, or some ridiculous movie. Um, and, and last night's debate, you know, there were points where not points. Trump just sounded like a babbling damn idiot half the time. He had some moments of lucidity, right? 
Um, particularly, you know, there, there were points where Hillary Clinton just left herself open for attack. And that's that hubris, you know, to walk into, you know, commentary about NAFTA, NAFTA, I mean, to say, you know, NAFTA wasn't bad. I mean, and, you know, the way she left certain questions, it seemed almost like, you know, I had to go back and look at the transcript. I'm like, did she just concede a point? Did she just, did she just say NAFTA wasn't that bad? Like there were, there were issues. And then of course, you know, with the TPP, she's been hedging on that a whole lot. You know, we've seen different people say different things, particularly we most recently have seen Bill Clinton say, you know, it, it makes sense, you know, president supports it, blah, blah, blah. There are signs that she will go ahead and support it if she is president. But honestly, Trump is such a wild card. You don't know what the hell. He probably doesn't even know what the hell he's doing from moment to moment. So who's to say that if he was president, he wouldn't support it too. I mean, he says one thing, but he does the opposite. Like he talks a lot about crooked politicians and people, you know, paying money and pay for play and stuff like that because he wants to ding his opponent. But he himself has done that same exact thing. You know, last week um, I did a podcast with one of our viewers. Shout out to Dakota Schmidt, um, who 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 writes, you know, Big Ten basketball, whoop, whoop, Big Ten. Um, but we talked about, you know, Dakota's from from Wisconsin. We talked about the John Doe papers that came out. Um, the Guardian, the Guardian has some really hard hitting investigative journalism. Time, you know, the Guardian, um, a writer with the Guardian broke that um, the Home and Square story wide open. Uh, out in Chicago, um, I believe it might. I don't know if it's. I don't think it's the same writer, but but similar circumstances in terms of Laquan McDonald, you know, video cover up. Um, you had some, some some folks did the same thing in terms of the John Doe files in Wisconsin, and it was an investigation with several prosecutors involved. And actually, the case is pending. Um, SCOTUS is trying is waiting. They're waiting to determine whether or not they're going to grant cert. Grant is cert means whether or not they're going to hear the case or not. So, um, but, but basically what happened was they were investigating the, basically the dark money that was being funneled. This is that post-Citizen United world that Bernie Sanders and others have been talking, you know, Zephyr Teachout, other people have been talking so much about, you know, you have some third party that's un, that's unregulated, that's not responsible to anyone. And you can just donate money and funnel money and do whatever. And then that money gets, gets somehow not you know, funnel, but, but spent on behalf of candidates. And when they were, they were talking about how is Scott Walker, current Wisconsin governor, who is also Donald Trump's debate partner, apparently. Um, but Scott Walker, um, you know, and his, his, it was, I forget what it's called, it was Wisconsin Action Fund or something, something similar like that. But basically how they went all around the country getting money from all the rich of the rich, you know, Carl Icahn, um, the, the CEO of Menards, just all these different people, Donald Trump, to donate for that recall effort that we saw in 2011 and how, and how this is an example of how money, how even with the best organizing, when you have that unchecked, unfettered dollar access going into elections, it can tip the scale, you know, it can untip the scale against the people. Um, and it didn't just benefit you know, uh, uh, Scott Walker, it benefited a whole host of down ballot Republicans that were facing similar situations in terms of the, the recall. So, um, you know, Donald Trump talks out of both sides of his mouth. He says a whole bunch of stuff. Um, is Donald Trump a racist? I really have no clue. I mean, there are quite a few people out there who are, you know, acting like they're 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 they're, they're you know the, the the patron saint of the NAACP, but we see. Sterling was a prime example in L.A., right? 
Um, you know, Sterling was even given an award by the by the NAACP, and yet he would let off a tirade, you know, make your grandma cover her ears. So, you know, there's a difference. There are people who know how to behave themselves in public and they can put on the show for the sake of getting along. They get along to get along to get along. You know what I'm saying? And then there are people like Donald Trump who just run their damn mouth and do and say whatever. And actually, because of the where he's at, he's getting along to get along too. He's doing what works for the base that has already exists within the Republican Party. And so when people talk about, oh, you know, this election has normalized white supremacy, America normalized white supremacy. White supremacy was normalized at the inception of this country. Does that mean that by saying that, that all white people are bad? No, of course not. But at the same time, there's been a system of racialized oppression that has been instituted in this country at its inception. It's codified. It, it is written into the Constitution itself, which is a living, breathing document. We can add on all these other amendments and statements and flowery, whatever. But that logic, especially when you look 200 some odd years down the line at Supreme Court cases in terms of police um, cases involving police and, and, and the rationale and legitimacy legitimacy that that certain Supreme Court justices will give to allow police officers to just outright discriminate because it's all in in fair and love and war and criminal procedure. I mean, we got a lot of, a lot that's going there's a lot going on. And so there was a lot that was missed. You know, there, I, I was waiting for the portion last night when they were going to talk about race. And Hillary Clinton has very well rehearsed talking points about race. But that is all they are until we see better. Are talking points. She had. They have been very carefully crafted. They have been very carefully worded. She says the right stuff. Just like you know, she knows. Okay, it's great that private prisons are going, but remember, last fall she was being protested and interrupted for having uh, money bundlers that were investing in private prisons. Like, right? This is just. This is not even a whole year ago. So, I mean, she has been pushed to the point where she's at. Now, whether or not she actually follows through and does anything is a whole nother story. But here's the thing. It's not enough to just say you have to do something. We have to be very clear of what language should be used. While everyone, I love Ben, but Ben included, is pulling apart Donald Trump on this whole stop and frisk BS. That's what it is, is BS. You know, because like, 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 like Giuliani, and, and, and this is not an incorrect statement, stop and frisk right? Some variation, it may not be called that other places, but some variation of it, it happens and it's permitted to happen. It, it does happen. So, so let's stop pretending like we live in some great world where our civil liberties are intact and somehow Donald Trump is going to come in and make them go away. It already does happen. Like I don't agree with Giuliani. I don't agree with the policy and the practice because it still even happens in New York. It does not happen anywhere near the level that it happened. I think like what, 2011 or whatever was like the high point of stop and frisk in New York, but it does happen. The practice itself was never declared illegal. What was declared unconstitutional was the way in which it was used in targeting black and Latino predominantly men in New York City. That is the part that was considered unconstitutional. The stopping people itself, that's a whole nother conversation. So this whole fear of what Donald Trump is going to do and stop and frisk and he's going to do this, they or, the police already do it. That is why we have these issues with extrajudicial murders. Police already got unchecked behavior. Donald Trump is not going to come in and do anything extra that's not already happening. 
We need to we need to stop with these rosy liberal blinders and look at the real world and what's going on. This is why Hillary Clinton's conversation on this topic, her her points about um, respect the law and the law respect you, huh? Philando Castile was doing what he was supposed to do, being respectful, did not do anything wrong, but he should have been respectful. Like this respectability thing, like having respect be some litmus test to whether or not someone will get killed is, is asinine. Because the issue is not that you didn't respect someone, therefore you get killed. That's not, that, that, that's not legally sufficient. That's not justifiable. It should not be justifiable because cops do not have the right to just shoot and kill people because they weren't listening. Can I just beat the dog mess out of my kid because they weren't listening? No. One of you might call the people on me and my kids will get taken away. I might lose my bar license over some nonsense like that. We all have repercussions. We all have consequences. Except when we come to cops, because she's trying to get that cop vote. Now, see, she wasn't going to go after the fraternal order or order of police directly because we've already seen how inflammatory they have been. But she's still going to try and get that cop vote. So you got you got to you got to talk you, you got to talk law and order without being on stage saying law and order. I am the law, dude. This ain't Judge Dredd. Like like I'm listening to Donald Trump right talk, and I'm like, this is like a bad you know '80s early '90s B movie. This is like a Sylvester Stallone movie or something. I am the law. Like come on, dude. This is not Judge Dredd. Like you are a buffoon. And honest, I'm gonna be honest with everybody. Like we can say like Hillary's a disaster. Hillary's this. Hillary's that. But Donald Trump's incompetence and buffoonery, it really, this is peak white privilege on that stage last night. It absolutely boggles my mind. And as great as Hillary Clinton is supposed to be, the fact that she is barely scratching the surface against him should scare the bejesus out of people who support her. And don't call me up like, well, no, you know, you should use your voice. No, I'm not using my voice to advocate for anybody. You know who I might advocate for? Gloria LaRiva. I, th- I got to be on the phone with her last night. That sister is bad. Ooh, I had to email her and see if I can get her on the show. Like, I understand when people get worried about whether or not Donald Trump is going to get in because people are not voting for Hillary Clinton, right? I-, I understand why in your mind that makes sense. But we're never, ever, ever going to break this cycle if we keep repeating the same damn thing over and over again. It's broken. We're not going to fix it this way. It's not going to happen. Like, for real. They both got a similar position towards Israel. Okay? So neither one of them give a damn about Palestinians. That came across last night. They both agree that the terrorist watch list should be used to deny people access to guns. We've already litigated that issue. We've already been through why that's a horrible practice and policy. And they both seem to think talking about gun control and criminality is 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 a is proper in conversations about extrajudicial police murders. It's absolutely not. It doesn't have any place in that conversation. And Nina Turner had a brilliant tweet. It sums up perfectly what I was feeling watching this because they talked about because when when the topic of race comes up and all they talked about was crime and criminal justice. You know, Hillary tried to throw in there like, oh, the proud black people who sing their songs and go to their churches and have their businesses. <sighs> really? 
I need you to stop trying to paint black America as if it's some pinnacle of virtue and awesomeness and perfection. Cause there's a lot wrong. There's a lot that needs to be done. And you, my dear, are not our patron saint. It's not happening. Donald Trump looked like a damn idiot talking about, well, I know what the African-Americans want and they're happy that I challenged Obama. My dude, who are you talking to? Like, seriously, why, why, who do you even talk to? There's actually a sister. I wrote her name down. Um, she was on uh, shout out to, to Stella Harrington. Um, she shared a post, a clip of this woman who is the head of Trump's like diversity council or something like that. Black woman out in Chicago, um, there may not be a lot of them, but there are, we, we heard a sister that called in the Ben show last night. Um, there may not be a lot of them, but there are black people who are seeing him as a viable option with the system. With, with, with someone else was saying, I saw another fa- I saw someone else on Facebook who openly said they were supporting Trump because they weren't going to support her. And they don't, they didn't really care about the housing lawsuit issue. That was like 40, you know, 40 some odd years ago. Um, I can understand that. Like I said, um, talking about the get down, when you look at the get down, you know, one of the things that's happening, you know, like I said, South Bronx was burnt out. I, rem- I remember that to, to not like, again, not the same extent, but I remember buildings being burnt out as a kid. Um, and, and, you know, wealthy land, that's what they did because they wanted to get, they wanted the fastest way to empty out a building. It, actually, it was even on the episode of SVU, they had someone because he was a torch. That's what they called him. He said the fastest way to empty out a building if you want to do something with it is to set it on fire. Because not only do you get out all, you get rid of the people that you, the undesirables, the people that you don't want in there, then you get that insurance money and you get to rebuild and do something else and you can raise the rent. It's unfortunate, but that's what happened. And we can't ignore and act like, you know, our communities, and it's not just black communities or Latino communities, you know, low income, impoverished communities, period, across America have been decimated in this manner by wealthy landowners by corporate interests and we need to stop pretending like you know hillary clinton is sitting on some mount high because she did something when she was in law school that she didn't turn around and do consistently once she graduated and got a job you know there are those of us that yeah we get our one little public interest job we save the world for that one summer or two and then we go on to the corporate world and never look back she's looked back and she's done stuff to advance a political career but I mean, she ain't she ain't no activist. She ain't no ride or die. Let, let's 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 not get that all. Let's not get it twisted. And some people will say, well, I don't need that. I just need to defeat Trump. Okay, but let's look at what are you defeating and what are you getting in in, in return? Because someone that takes money from corporations, you know, she was real stern and admonished in Wells Fargo, but don't she take money from them? I mean, Bank of America was had has had class action lawsuits and stuff against it for discriminating. Hasn't she taken money from them? I mean, like, seriously, you know, people can say like, well, you know, you need money to run elections and this, that and the other. But at the same time, we need people to be accountable. If you claim that you have these values, if you claim that you have this respect for people and progress and, and ending discrimination, you know, she, institutional racism. She said she was going to talk to white people. Did she talk to white people last night? I don't think so. I mean, that whole issue about race was completely one-sided and it seemed to put the onus only on black people as if it's somehow absolutely 100% our fault that the situations are the way they are. At no point did she ever say that cops need to be held accountable for their actions. She never does. Even when she was debating against Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders said it. Like someone pointed out earlier, she couldn't even say the names of people murdered in Tulsa, in Charlotte, in D.C., 
She couldn't even say that. She probably don't even remember no more, right? Because she don't have the mothers of the movement traveling with her, coaching her, making sure she remembers their kids' names. Like, 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 like she could name list off the cities, but not who the people are. They're people who have lost their life unjustly. Even if you committed a crime, if it was not a situation that required lethal force to be used, it is a problem. Why? Because we have process and procedure that is supposed to be followed. We talk about the sanctity of this, this democracy. We talk about that damn flag people so upset about because folks don't want to say the pledge, but then nobody wants to protect what all that's supposed to be standing for. You hear me? You with me tonight? So the presidential debate was 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 fascinating. Like I thought, one of the things I thought that she did well, I'll say something positive. I'll be positive. I thought one thing that she did well was I thought it was very relatable when she talked about her dad. But like Arami, the funky academic, pointed out, it was kind of condescending when she pointed out, well, my daddy never had bankruptcies because a lot of small business owners, it's, it's not easy being a small business owner in America. It is a very tough you know, small businesses make, make the world go round. Shout out to small business owners. They do a lot of really great work. They employ people um, and, and they provide value to our communities. But it's not easy. And there's nothing wrong with needing to take advantage of the bankruptcies. However, in Trump's case, Trump's an asshole. There's a lot wrong with it. <laughs> He's a jerk. He's a buffoon. I don't know what to say. Um yeah, like like his whole commentary, everything he had to say, but am I concerned? Am I so worried that somehow Trump... See, this is the other thing I need people to understand about how federalism works, right? Trump can't just institute some national stop and frisk law. Like, he can't do that. If you believe that he can do that, then you need to ask why President Obama can't institute national laws to govern all the police to not do what they've been doing. You know, people are so focused on what Trump is going to do or not do or what Hillary's going to do and not do. Are you paying attention to the attempts for like Blue Lives Matter laws, for example, happening at the local level in your community? Because a lot of this stuff that is affecting us, a lot of the things, the issues, we see Charlotte, we see Chicago, we see it's common for cops to disable their cameras or to not enable them at all. Or there's some glitch. Um, the young the young brother that was just, just killed a uh, motorcycle See, I just finished. I said, I just finished getting on Hillary Clinton for not remembering people's names, and I can't either. But, um, but this is not my my full time job running for office uh, and making these arguments, Hello. you know. But there's no excuse, and I need to Hello. do better. If I'm going to hold her to a certain standard, then I need to be able to meet it myself. But young brother was just killed by a cop in D.C. He was a motorcyclist. Um, I believe it was a traffic stop, and he hit. We have a caller. Yay! Hi, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? And what's your question or comment? Yes. Oh, I don't hear a Noah, uh, but my name is Benjamin Dixon, and I just – I can't hear you, Noah, uh, but – um, I, I'm enjoying the show. Uh, I don't get a chance to watch you often because I'm like dead smack in the middle of prepping for my show. But I just wanted to call in because you're really uh, speaking the truth on um, the debate from last night and um, with with just the just the different the different angles that you could really dissect it from. So I appreciate you doing that. Um, and I'm calling to see if you want to come on to my show tonight. 
So yes, um, tell him yes. Last minute request. We're going live in about 15 minutes, and I know we had a problem <laughs> with your microphone last night. So I would love to have you to stay on and come over to the Benjamin Dixon show tonight. So Yay. I can't hear you, but I'm assuming that you can hear me. I can All hear right. him. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. Love the work, and I've enjoyed everything you've done so far tonight. I appreciate you, Ben. Yay. And so, you know what? See, see, seriously, I must be doing okay tonight for Ben to stop what he's doing for prepping for his show to come on in and, and say hi. Um, but yeah, but you guys, like, come on now. You guys got to start calling in and talking to me, right? Because this is this got to be a two-way thing. I can't just be sitting here ranting and being angry black woman at you. That might be entertaining for some of y'all. I really don't know. But... Um, but Ben stopped me. But no, like, but Ben's point has been, you know, if you have followed his conversation, that, that, you know, comparing Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and I agree, she does, she does speak well. But the problem I really do is we have, she, you know, everyone's like, can you hold her to the fire? Can you hold her accountable? A lot of what needs to be done, as we have seen, needs to be done through congressional representatives, needs to be done at the state and local level. A lot of what we need achieved is not going to come from any president. If it didn't come from Barack Obama, it's not going to come from any of them. I don't care what Michael Eric Dyson says about her being better on race. That's a damn lie. Um, if you have not seen that piece and don't know what I'm referring to, there was a piece um, in the New Republican. New Republican. <laughs> they are the New Republicans, right? Um, in the New Republic, back in November, December, Michael Eric Dyson wrote a piece about how Hillary Clinton was better on race than Obama. Not Bernie Sanders, who she was running against, because, you know, this is when they were trying to act like Bernie Sanders didn't even exist, but um, but Barack Obama. And, and the whole piece is total horse crap. Um, she absolutely misunderstands so much about race, as we've said, as I've said before. It's very clear on her commentary when she talks about Abraham Lincoln and Reconstruction, et cetera. Um, she does not understand that. She doesn't understand. So I don't know how she's going to, she's not the white person. We need to talk to white people about race. We need Tim Wise. We need Jane Elliott. We need people like that talking about race. We don't need Hillary Clinton talking. Matter of fact, they, they probably need to sit down and have some sessions with her so she can talk about it better than what she does. Um, it was really, you know, really interesting. Also, Trump is, Trump, Trump is a punk. <laughs> I rarely ever talk about him because we had this debate last night, you know, I'm going to. But I was telling my godmom, he actually was better behaved last night than he was during the primary, right? Um, I think I only watched like two of the debates during the primary, watched with my kids. Um, yeah, my, my, my daughter is not a fan of Marco Rubio at all. She calls him, she goes, that idiot? Hello? You mean that idiot? <laughs> oh, I have a caller again. Yeah, that's caller, me. Uh, okay, now I can hear you. I, I, this is a Noah? Oh, oh, well, this is Umar from Brooklyn, and I want to comment on the debate. Umar! Oh, okay. Well, you know, like I, 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 I'm saying that I, I, my feeling of everybody making it a binary decision. Okay, Trump and Hillary are the choices that they gave us, mm-hmm. but that is not the only choices. My problem with all these progressives who be going, keep going. Oh my God, Trump is going to destroy the world. But okay, yeah, but Hillary doesn't seem to be any better. That's what a lot of people are saying. No one is saying we don't want to vote. We're saying we don't want to vote for these two. And and my hardcore question to these progressives is, we go through this every election cycle, every single election cycle. At what point do we 
we get steadfast and say, we're not accepting this anymore. We are going to change it. They, they're, nobody is going to make me care if Trump or, or Clinton is president because they're both awful people. And I get all kinds of stuff. Well, well Hillary's better. Then, then, then why do you have to do so many backflips to make her better? And the, the, and the most important question is, this is directly to progressives. We began this thing saying we're going to change it. Now we're ending it saying Trump might destroy the world. And I'm sorry, that's even Benjamin Dixon's thing. Oh, my God, Trump will, in, will in, institute Stockman Frist. I'm in New York. It's already here. Trump will cause more black people to get murdered. Black people being murdered every day. Everything you're describing Trump might do is happening. What, he's going to escalate it? How? It's been, I've been, I have been protesting and marching and being part of groups and stuff over police murders literally since 1984. That's when I got, you understand this phrase, Noah, got consciousness. You, that's a black thing. When they say you got consciousness is when you go from being kind of an ignorant to suddenly waking up to the world. You start out being angry black person and then you begin to realize there's confirmation you got to make. But the point is this. These murders are not new. The, what's new is, is cell phones. What's new is now people are publicizing it. And I'm noticing that the exact same excuses being made when I first started, and I'm talking way back uh, with a guy named Yusef Hawkins. Yep. It's yep. the exact same excuses people are giving today. That is not going to change. Racist president, I keep saying this. I have been living under racist presidents. The only non-racist president I haven't lived under is Obama. And frankly, he hasn't done anything about the situation. So continuously scaring us with this, Trump will destroy the country. And I still don't get how when it comes to Obama and it comes to uh, the first Clinton, well, they only have but so much power. But suddenly Trump has, a, he's like, what is he, the guy from the dead zone? He's just going to press the button and go hallelujah? Come on, progressive. <laughs> it's time to change Thank this. Thank you, Umar. Changing means changing. Excellent changing means point. Always. You might not um, like. And voting for one or for another is not a stance. That's coalition into the old order. Now I'm going to let Anoa yeah. talk. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Umar, for calling in. Greatly appreciate you. Um, I do think, and I think I cut myself off and didn't make that point, that we don't just have two choices. We don't have to fall into this whole protest vote Um I think I said this last night, protest vote is a very condescending term that you use to um, scare people into, or don't you think you, shouldn't your vote count? Or, or why would you vote for someone if they're not going to win? Well, everybody votes for someone who doesn't win because there can only be one winner, right? I mean, and if you're, if you recognize that you're voting and you're not voting for the purpose of quote unquote winning the election, right? But you're voting because there are other issues at stake. For example, if you are somebody who is a stalwart of the Green Party, if you're a Green Party supporter, if you're someone who's trying to build agency activism around the Green Party, uh, uh, grow, help grow the party, you know, getting people to vote, getting certain percentages on the ballot in certain states is paramount to the, you know, next election cycles and what the Green Party is able to do. You know, actively saying and being willing to be a part of polls and things like that to say, yes, I support the Green Party signing petitions and stuff. That makes a difference possibly in terms of whether or not Jill Stein can even get on the stage. Like I said, I think it was very brilliant to do a counter debate type of thing through social media yesterday. Um, 
You know, I know some people get like, but don't you rag? Yes, I do. I, I do rag on her because she gets on my nerves sometimes. I mean, but that's my prerogative. Um, I don't like, like everybody says about Hillary, I don't have to absolutely love you to support you, you know, and I support what the Green Party's doing. I don't know that necessarily I'm going green. I'm at this, you know, I've been independent for unaffiliated, whatever the phrase is, for, I think it's independent in West Virginia. I think it's unaffiliated here in Georgia, but I've been such, for like six years now, six, seven years. Um, so, and I, I like, I like staying that way, but, but I think that we need to look at what all our options are. I'd love to see, you know, the party for socialism and liberation, um, grow work workers world party grow, um, and reach more people because we need to have these, these entities that help bridge us across issues, right? Like, I like, you know, the Lamont Lilly ticket, they talk a lot about, um, Monica Moore, Moore and Lilly, not Lamont Lilly. Lamont Lilly is Monica Moore's VP, but they are the Workers' World Party ticket. And one of the things they've talked about is the fact that it is a moral imperative to fight against Trump. But that is combining, combating the vestiges of racism and institutionalized oppression wherever it is lays, you know, actually doing that work. That is, that is combating the Trump effect not specifically supporting Hillary Clinton, because here's the thing, and, and pundits have ever said this, there are pieces about it, those those quote-unquote people, those deplorable people or whatever, they're not going away. They've always been here. They've, they've been raised and bred to be the way they are. They're raising and breeding another generation. It's not happening. And not all of quote-unquote those people are all Trump supporters, because like I've said before, my daughter goes to school with the, the, the heathen children of, of liberal Democrats, and they can be just as racist as they want to be. So it's not racism. I've said this during the election, the primary cycle. Racism is not something that's only on the right. It happens on the left, too. And what we need to be doing is addressing these issues where they stand and not just fixating on certain particular people or ideas as if that's the end all be all going to resolve it. Donald Trump who came of age in the 60s and 70s is not the reason why we have racism and other deplorable practices in this country today. Again, that was started when you, when certain people's ancestors bought the rest of us over here on boats and stole the land from the Native American. Like, we can't, we can't just act like all of a sudden this is because of Trump. That all of a sudden this is just because of Republicans. Democrats have been racist too. It, it's, 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 it's silly to act like there's anything different. Democrats bought us racist welfare reform with, with, with stereotypes depicting black women as these ghetto, lazy welfare queens that needed to be controlled because they were hypersexualized and just kept having babies for food stamps. And that's just the dumbest damn concept I've ever heard. Who Has anyone ever had food stamps before? It's not even like you're getting that much money to be getting pregnant to get food stamps. Like That's just the dumbest concept ever. <laughs> like I could go on and on about that, but the presidential debate, there was a lot, it was, it was wanting. But it did not cover very pertinent topics. Like I said, the, the, the topic of race was totally not addressed as Nina Turner. I'm with Nina. If I'm with any her, it is Nina and Pramila and Zephyr. You know what I'm saying? There are several hers that I'm with. Um, and, and Nina is definitely at the top of that list. Um, yeah, so, so stay tuned and check out because we have more to come. Benjamin Dixon Show is coming up next. But Nina Turner, she had a she had a tweet, and it was just basically like there was no conversation about poverty, about education, about housing, infrastructure development. She listed off all these things that were completely left out of the conversation. They were too busy taking digs and jabs at each other, you know, 
to talk to the American people. They kind of talked to you a little bit. They kind of talked around you. They talked over you. They talked through you. But they was they were they were too busy trying to like one up each other versus actually put something meaningful on the table. And and that's a real problem. I mean, that's a real problem. Like it's very sad. It's very depressing watching this election cycle. I mean, you know, this this moral imperative to quote unquote win. I mean, what are you winning? What what are you winning exactly? You know? Um, but yeah, Nina, Nina Turner, she she's brilliant. I mean, she's just brilliant. Like I, she, she's, she's been on the news recently. Um, she has talked about, um, being, being a mother of a black police officer and, and still, you know, the concerns and stuff about his safety and not necessarily from that blue lives matter standpoint, but just from the safety that she's still the mother of a black man in America. Um, there's some old stories circling, but there, there have been many instances where, where, and I think a couple between Chicago and New York have been a couple instances where white cops have shot and killed off-duty black cops because they didn't realize they were police officers. Like, and those cases don't get don't get justice justice either. Um, but it's 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 and this is why the interest the intricacies the depth of this this topic and conversation is why I'm not very impressed with Ti's video. Um, if you haven't got checked, check out Warzone. Good song, but I think the concept behind the video, making everybody black, white, vice versa, it doesn't send the message home the same way to the people who really need to get the message. Um, but there's a lot. There was a lot left out. You know, there was no discussion of abortion. Um, they talked about you know the middle class and taxes, but 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 we don't even have a middle class anymore as once was. And what the hell is Hillary's debt-free college stuff? She keeps talking about. Like abortion was not discussed at all. You know, choice is under attack. I know when Umar said, you know, Hillary, that 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 is one area where people would where people would have some concern. And we're talking about, you know, but we need to talk about abortion not just in terms of access to getting the abortion itself, but it is a social justice, it is economic, it's a health issue. It, it encompasses so many different areas, and we need to have a more broad race really need to have a reproductive justice way of talking about abortion and other health. We didn't talk about health care. I mean, there was so much that, that needs to be talked about that was not talked about. So anyway, um, I am wrapping up. I'm getting off. I will be back, apparently, because Ben has summoned me for the big show. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, you know, give what you can, do what you can. Check me out, patreon.com, The Way With Anoa. Check out the website. I always have other podcasts, two other podcasts at least, up a week. Um, and, and there's more to come we're, we are working, we're building, we're growing and talk to you guys later. Peace. Oh, tea time. I completely forgot. <laughs> so I did not get to do, I wasn't feeling well last week, but tea time. So I came up with the idea to do tea time, tea time with no, no, um, on Thursdays. So I'm going to probably do it like a, just a little 25 minutes, just a little short on Thursdays ahead of the project sanity and, and Ben, um, to kind of just bring you some tea, some truth. Um, with no, no, that's me. So anyway, I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys Thursday. Have a good evening. Bye. The way.